now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Hello, beautiful human. It's an honor to be in your ears today. Macklemore is here. Very excited. He has a brand new album out. It's called Ben. That's his real name. Ben Haggerty is his full name. Really incredible guy. One of my favorite guests. His last interview on our show is one of my favorite ever. I highly recommend it after this one. And uh, yeah. Please subscribe to our podcast, share with those you care about, and say thanks to GoPuff for delivering this one to you. Thank you, GoPuff. GoPuff is changing the way we get things delivered. They really are making the convenience store way more convenient. Thousands of items available right in the palm of your hand. Come on now. Try them out. Whatever you need from booze to home goods to snacks to electronics, whatever your heart desires, GoPuff will get it to you. Download the app today. Use my code Zach10 when you're checking out, and you'll save $10 off your first two orders. Zach10, use it, save money, and get whatever you want. Go pop. Let's talk to Ben. Uh, <laughs> hi, beautiful human. I am Zach. That is Dan. Yep. Welcome to the studio. Uh, ben Haggerty, uh, a.k.a. Macklemore. Hello. Ooh. It's an honor to have you back here. It's so good to be here. It's it, great to see you. Dude, it is... Your energy is really incredible, but y- your eyes, like, they really bring a human being in. Hmm. You know? Interesting. There's no way- I appreciate that. <laughs> there's no way nobody has told you that before. You know what? These days, if you get any compliments, it's a win. You know? <laughs> I got three kids, man. I'm just trying to get through this thing. If someone tells you you have nice eyes, it's like, oh, I haven't heard that in years. That's very nice of you. Life is different when you have a family and there's a, a larger purpose, but also there's like a routine that takes over that is, do you find that routine mundane? You know, in COVID there was a period of time where I was like, yo, I am the chauffeur for my children. Yeah. I wake up, I do the same. It was like groundhog day. It was like, yo, this is the same thing every day. And I was so used to a life of like, you know, I'm with my kids and then I'm going to California and then I'm going to Europe. You know, it's like life just was travel and, you know, I'm with my family a lot, but I'm also gone a lot. And then it was just like, nope, 100 percent of the time you are at home. And there was a period where like, yo, this is a little different. I don't know if I want to use the word mundane, but just like, dude, I just feel like I'm so in a box of my sky. I literally felt like Bill Murray. And, um, but then you get used to feeling like Bill Murray and you're like, yo, this is just different and great. It's just a different way. And then you go back out on the road and you're like, oh my God, this like lack of structure actually is, is a challenge. And I kind of like that routine of waking up every day at the same time with my kids and taking them to school and having a cup of coffee at, at eight o'clock. And I had never really had that before. Well, we're here to discuss an album that was born really when did it start during the pandemic yeah it started before the pandemic yeah really yeah i was like in the tail end of finishing the album as the pandemic struck Mm. as it was like yo we might not want to leave seattle because we don't know if we can get back right now we're supposed to come down here and it was like right when it was like yo probably shouldn't leave 
What is it like to sit on music for that long? And have you ever sat on records for that I long? I never have, Zach. And it was it was strange, and it is strange. Um, you have to fall back in love with the record, and because there's that moment of like creation when you are are in the moment, you're feeling it. You come back to it the next day. You're like, oh my god, we have something. This is great. Let's finish it. You know, a month later, you're like, this is still great. A year later, like, this still slaps. It's a bop. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, you know, three years later, what does it sound like? And it, luckily, the music still sounds great. But I do have, like, you know, the next single, we recorded that in 2019. Holy shit. And that's a really long time ago. These songs have to take on some sort of new meaning between the time you create it and everything that happens in your life over the pandemic. Yes. To now. Yes. They definitely do. And you form different relationships with the record because I've I've sat with these songs. Like I have like road trips with my family where like this new music is like the soundtrack of the of the car ride where the kids are like play it again you know (laughs) or like never play that at all (laughs) that one's trash dad um you know there's there's those moments where yeah you're building core memories around this music that no one else has even heard yet that's different is this the exact album that was done though before the pandemic or were you making changes and swapping things in and out yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna record until I can't anymore until they're like, yo, like Spotify and Apple are going to kick you <laughs> off the platform if you don't turn the shit in. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to keep going. I like to record. You never know what's going to happen. Like even now we're like making last minute potential small changes to things. Do you find yourself making more changes because you've had more time to sit with it? Or do you feel like just lo- like the songs are still you, but you are in a different place. So like what types of changes are you making? Uh, you know, a feature here or, you know, let's, let's change that hook here. But basically it's the same album, you know, we're talking about like one, really one song is kind of a Hail Mary last minute feature play that we're doing. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ew. This will come out in time. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I see. Okay. Yeah. But we had a verse from somebody that was great. And um, and then it got pulled out from underneath us, which happens all the time to people in the industry who are like working within the industry. Huh. I feel like I'm I'm so separate from the machine because I don't have a label, so like I'm we just do it <laughs> ourselves. And um, so features pull in and out of shit all the time, and yeah. you know multiple artists cut it. You know I got sent the uh, what was it the See You Again record. Uh, Oh, the really? Fast and the Furious song. Yeah, Charlie Puth, Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, they could have. Did you cut a verse? For no, that? I didn't. But they asked me. They asked me to, and I didn't do it. And had I done that, I'd have one of those boards, <laughs> one of those D's <laughs> digital boards. Do you regret that? Yes, that's like a whole like, uh, that's a diamond record. Yeah, it is. I mean, like, I don't regret it in the way where I'm sad about it. It's more just like, bro, that was that was a bag did, that could have happened. Why did you not cut it? We were right in the middle of the This Unruly Mess I Made rollout. And like, it was just, it hit at just a weird time. And it was like, yo, these movies are huge. This is a massive look, but it's also huge and a massive look right when you're about to like put out our first single. So distracting. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. But man, 
that song went and then later on in life i i realized that you know they also asked like seven other rappers to do the same thing so like <laughs> <laughs> this potential bag that i missed out on wasn't really mine um but it's a better story if i don't mention those other seven rappers so you will have one artist or different artist cut for the same song yes intentionally or is it just because they didn't get back to you fast well, enough or what well well normally I'm not like a big like let's go send it out to 10 people and have them try it person oh. I like to work with an artist if I believe like okay this is a voice let's get in the studio let's work on it sometimes when we do that get in the studio and work on a record it still is not quite right and you have to pivot to somebody else um I don't know if that exactly answers your question no, but but that's hard though because it you is hard with somebody and no, I mean, there's still people on the album that we worked with where I'm like, I, I owe them a phone call just before this music comes out and just to be like, yo, just, you know, I, I loved working with you. Heads up. The record changed a little bit. We yeah. went this direction. Because like at the end of the day, we're all artists. We're all sensitive people. And I want to treat someone how I want to be treated. Like if I got asked to like take my time and do a verse for something and it got cut and it came out on, you know, Thursday night, and I heard it that way, I'd be like, bro, this is, this isn't how I want to be treated. This nope. is fucked up. It's rough. Yeah. But you also have an incredible history of giving opportunity to artists that wouldn't necessarily get it. Like you have featured so many incredible features mm -hmm. that it is insane. Like you've given careers to people like Mary Lambert is just one of the first names that come to mind. Yeah. Like you've chosen to work with people that a lot of other people would probably never even see potential in. Yeah. There's so much beautiful, amazing art out there in the world. There are, there's so many talented people. I think one of my skill sets that I have developed over the last 20 something years of making music is, is producing and bringing the best out of an artist. And I think that if someone has um, some raw talent, I can turn that into something a little bit more polished and a little bit um, tap into the human emotion and the human spirit and pull that performance out of them. And I worked with Ryan forever and I watched him do it. Um, I think the best producers can really get that human characteristic out of the voice. What do you think you have that allows you to do it? I think I have the ear for it. I think that I know what I'm looking for. Not all the time. Sometimes I'm in there and I'm like, yo, I'm so lost right now. I have no clue what I'm doing. And then there's like the, we've been doing this for three hours, the same like four bars. And like, I have no perspective guys. Like this might be great. This might be horrible. I don't know. But I do know initially my, my taste and I like what I like. And I, I want to, uh, same thing about treating people how I want to be treated like in the studio I want people to feel comfortable I want them to feel excited I want them to feel free to mess up huh. and that's the thing right that's vulnerability that's vulnerability and that comes out and like we're so I was working with this one guy just a conversation talkative individual and um, he was telling me when I'm in a studio session, I have people, the first thing that I do with people is I have them go in the booth and freestyle. And we all, everyone in the everyone in the room goes in the booth one time and freestyles. <laughs> and like, it makes everyone super uncomfortable. But he's like, dude, we've already made up our minds about each other in terms of like what we think we're good at, what yeah. are, you know, what we lack in or whatever. We've already made up our minds about everyone in this room. 
who cares go in there and try let's like get get out of ourselves get out of the ego and just create and be in the moment by being so uncomfortable it then breeds comfort yes then you're like dude i already did that horrible freestyle thing from here on out this is a this is a cake piece of cake Uh, so do you call in a bunch of people that you've worked with in the past to help bring ben to life or are you only looking for people that are new and fresh no i i I bring in people i work with all the time people i've worked with for yeah damn near 20 years i mean i i like to do it all i i have my core group of people i have my producer budo i have you know my engineer jordan and i have uh you know a guy that i write hooks with xp and then we come at, come together and and we recorded out in the woods and it was beautiful it was peaceful it was serene and we just got to make art i feel like you talk about this on god's will you talk about like fuck the industry and you only fuck with the people you actually mess with yeah i just We as artists are so protected by our labels and our management and our publicists and like there's this force field around us, right? You need that protection in some moments. But when it comes to artist to artist, it's like, yo, let's, the best version of this collaboration is going to be us talking direct to one another. It's going to be in the room. It's going to be feeding off of that energy. And it has nothing to do with a label, an A&R, a publicist, a management company, or whatever. It has to do with two people sitting down and letting all of that go. You start throwing those things in the mix, which is just what the industry is, and it dilutes the product. Do you feel like you have... Do you try to preach that to other artists? But a lot of them don't necessarily get it because... You have been purely independent. You've made history for independent artists everywhere. You've laid a path and a playbook that I, my personal friends have gone on to follow and ch- help change culture as well and make tens and tens of millions of dollars, you know, really do incredible things. Yeah. And also become business people at the same time that yeah. control their own destiny. And in doing independence, you end up getting an understanding of what every layer of a musical operation looks like and yes. feels like and most importantly costs. Yes. And you see it. And you feel it. <laughs> Firsthand. <laughs> yes. I, 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 play with, I play with my own money. I yeah. think it would be so different playing with house money because you're like, look, if we don't recoup, we don't recoup. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. And um, luckily, and we've taken L's, we've taken more W's, um, but that's part of the process. But right? that's part of the process. And when you win, you really win. Yeah. And when you lose, you're like, damn, we just spent $700,000 on that music video <laughs> that has <laughs> 2 million plays. <laughs> like, what did we do? Um, and then you make the next one and you keep going. And I feel like, you know, having spent the majority of my life having to be really frugal and having to be really um, cost effective in terms of like where dollars are going. And we're still that way. You don't... Yeah. You, you never shake that. Like we're still like, okay, so how much is like the the T-shirt? It's it's six fifty. Well, this the seven dollar one. Like the next better. Like this will be X amount of thousand. You know, and we're not talking about a lot of money here, but I still you don't lose that hustle. Yeah. You're like, yo, we, if I can save two thousand dollars by like getting a different you know type of shirt with the same quality, I'm gonna go with that. Mm-hmm. That and across the board. So you know that's obviously a t-shirt but you know once you get into music videos and you're spending real money and you're feeling that like yo we've already spent a lot of money on this rollout um it would be very different being on a label and being like well we've spent a lot of uh jimmy iveen's money (laughs) and i'm fine but that and and by the way like that's 
That's a, that is a much different attitude. But the attitude that you have allows you to do things like the clothing line and right. the golf stuff. Like, yeah. You get to see things very differently. You're not, you're, you're not looking at it from the same lens as an artist who's playing with, again, Jimmy Iovine's money. You know, it's totally different. Yeah. And same thing with the golf stuff with Bogey Boys. It's like, you know, out from the very beginning, I'm like, I could have taken on a, an outside investor. I'm like, I would like to, to roll the dice and bet on my own product. Like, Sick. let's do it. And again, um, it's paying off, but you don't know. You don't know. And, and the economy is like doing what it's doing. And you're like, I, I have no idea people are going to be buying clothes in six months the way that they were six months ago. When you think about the L's you've taken, is there one that stands out that you've learned from the most? There's L's that stand out. Absolutely. Um, we did a song called Arrows. And, um, you know, with the, with the artist named Fences and, um, you know, I thought the song was great. We, it was just that era of like, we, we have money now. We got some, you know, some corporate money behind it. And we spent damn near a million dollars on the music video. Damn. Yeah. Like we built whole sets and like, <laughs> that are and all the trash song, now. yeah, they're, they're trash. <laughs> and, and the song didn't do anything. And like. But the piece of art was really good. And like, I hadn't watched the video for, I don't know, six years or something. And I watched it a couple of weeks ago and was like, that's cool. Like, it's really cool to be able to like, look back and be like, you know what? We gave everything to that record. We gave everything to that song. We spent way too much money. We made a ton of mistakes, but you know what? Eight years later, I can still look back and be like, that's a great record. It's a great video. I remember all those moments. Yes, there's some learning lessons there, but it was it was fantastic yeah. sun comes up when was that song started was that pre-pandemic too that was in the pandemic and um it was in we were in la and i had just got off of like three days of sessions with different writers which i hadn't ever really done before like i've written with people that are writers huh. um but not just like straight up like this isn't another artist that's like a public figure it's a songwriter they're publishing is through Warner Chapel and they're going to be the studio to show up and um I did like three days of that and I was so tired of having small talk conversation <laughs> with strangers on studio couches um that I walked into the studio that day and this this amazing writer Jackson was there and you know we're doing the like where do you live like you know where coffee shops do you go to like LA small talk and all of a sudden I was like dude can we stop and just like not do this like I, you seem like a really sweet guy it's been really good to talk to you for a minute but let's just can we just create and not talk anymore he was like yes absolutely let's do that people feel obligated to do small talk we need to talk for an hour no cut the shit cut the shit Let, uh, like what are we here to do no, no. let's write some music and that happened that song wrote itself in like 30 minutes Wow, and there's a dance in there. A dance? Hold on. I wrote down the lyrics. The refresh, the uh, mm. scroll, scroll. Oh, scroll that's vegan. That's, um, that's, wait. um. Oh, no, I got the wrong. Wait, yeah. Wait, that wait, was scroll, refresh, turn it off, do that's, it again. Uh, that's not something comes up. What do we my... call that record? That's called, uh. Hold on. <laughs> it's called Vegan Top to me forever, because that was the name of the beat. Wait, Vegan Top? Yeah, that was the name of the beat. Who gave, where did that beat come from? Uh, Budo made it, and, um. Beats get named random things, oh, and then that's what we call the song for years. And then we have to put it out and be like, we should probably not call this vegan top. Did we call it vegan I, no, top? No, it's called need, I believe. Right? No, 
I need different. Wait, I need to. By the way, well, while, while I have you're, notes. I'm really you're... so when I curate a track list. <laughs> no, it is no. <laughs> it's in me. It's my DNA. <laughs> no, I have no idea what songs are on this album. Wait, is that because it's been so? I long, don't know though? what they're called. I know what most of them are called. I don't know what this one's. Well, I don't know what this one is called. Let's go back to Sun Comes Up because you talk about really breaking the ice pretty easy, but it's also, in my opinion, one of the deepest records on there because it's about you dying or you thinking about what it means to go away, mm-hmm. correct? And like what you leave behind. Are we talking about I the think, right record here? I think you have another song. Mixed no, up. Sun Comes Up, sister. No, Sun Comes Up about like the negative effects of social media, right? Yeah, but that's kind of also the. Uh, are we just secret word here? You guys. I swear to God, if what so what happened is I thrift said, shop is about secondhand clothes. Shut up. Okay, <laughs> I know that. Lost. Huh? Lost. What? Lost. It's it's one song and one. Which is why it's like five and a half minutes. Yes. So it goes lost and then sun comes up. It's one song. So you're kind of right. Okay. <laughs> I was really afraid that like my, cause I sit in my car and I blast it. Right. And sometimes the data from the phone doesn't actually translate uh-huh. to the data on the screen, yeah. but I'm using the data on the screen. So now I'm afraid that all everything else I just, you're right, dude. Okay. Fuck. Lost. <laughs> Fucking love that well, title track. I think you did talk about like who would post about you if you die. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that the lyric you're referencing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so cool, yes, because cool. yeah, yeah. I wonder the same thing. It. It's really sad. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Exactly. <laughs> How will we be remembered? Who is going to mourn us? How long will it last? Will I get a forty-eight hour news cycle? Um, yeah, I mean, we live in a crazy world right now, and uh, it's. When I take breaks from social media, I am reminded of the toxicity that I am ingesting every single day, mm. consciously, subconsciously. And um, and just what that does. Like the last time that I went to rehab, I was in rehab. They take away your phone in rehab. At a, at a good rehab, they take away your phone. <laughs> and I remember, you know, but they let you use it for X amount of time or whatever. I'm like, yo, I... I need like 10 minutes of email time just to knock some stuff out. They gave me my phone. Of course, I do five minutes of work and get on Instagram. <laughs> and um, and I remember looking down at my phone. And this was, I don't know, three, four, five. I remember looking at my phone and looking at Instagram and this comparison thing just like rising this FOMO thing of what am I missing out like you know I'm in rehab other people I'm just like oh my god fucking g Easy is in Europe like here I am in rehab like what have I done you know just like this comparison like why why do we do this and if you are tapped into that world it is almost impossible to remove yourself from the ego, from the comparison, from the look at their life. How do I measure up? You know, what age am I? Where should I be at? All these social benchmarks that we have, these like these things that we need to hit. And um, they're not real. Mm-hmm. They are not real. Yet we spend hours 
hours a day ingesting this shit and um and i'm sick and society's sick and we're all sick from it true and we're worse off from it and there's pros and cons like everything um it's a great platform they're great platforms to get out art i wouldn't be where i'm on the couch right now if it wasn't for social media etc i'm grateful and i'm also aware of its toxicity and it's my own relationship with it right like there's people with healthy relationships with things that i don't have healthy relationships with but i think as a society we are in comparison mode and it's the thief of joy could not agree more but where social media was when you started is not where it is today yes yes it has taken on numerous different lives and it's gone on to do exactly what you said steal joy from so many yeah and comparison kills yeah comparison destroys comparison blinds you to your own ability to like be yourself and and Appreciate radiate. the moment. Yes, radiate your own light. Yeah, but uh, comparison plagues so many different people in society, and it's not. It is. It, it, it middle schools and high schools and colleges. Do and you feel places? Of course. Do you look at uh, like other people in in your lane or that are comparable enough? Mm-hmm. And get caught oh up my God. in like it, it could be oh in a, they got that look or like you know could be in a thousand different places could be in work could be in life could be right. in appearance could be in hairline yeah anything the, I mean look at all those follicles the one thing I have is hair look at Zach's fucking hair I'm so jealous <laughs> not it's the only thing I have. <laughs> you, got, you got great hair yeah, it's it's okay but it's not that <laughs> well I don't have your eyes you know what I'm saying <laughs> I don't have your eyebrows see you could just go on forever <laughs> but it, it does it take it, it takes having a forced cleanse of social media yes. for you to really fully feel the like to, to feel that co- sense of comparison dude that's exactly it because we don't know yeah. what we're carrying around until we let go of it totally and i remember um i did a this was a long time ago so this is not a spiritual flex but uh i did a 10-day vipassana meditation and um where you're silent for 10 days you meditate damn near all day long repeat 10 days hardest thing i've ever had to do i've done it twice now and this was a you know probably 15 years ago and i remember um you're only eating like you know organic you know i eat fucking burgers and fast food or whatever you know like i just have like a dude diet like all of a sudden i'm eating like quinoa and kale and that's all you're eating you're meditating and i remember that you're not supposed to talk to the opposite sex. You have to, uh, you know, there's no masturbation. There's no anything. Are you in like a monk outfit or what are you like? Nah, that was probably in some sweatpants, some uh, gray sweatpants. <laughs> Very TikTok. <laughs> yes. <you>. Yes. Cool. <laughs> what do you think of TikTok? Uh, I think TikTok is, uh, and I have to be careful how I talk about TikTok because I feel like I've been being too honest about TikTok and TikTok's going to be like, bro. You're already not in our algorithms, but now you're really not in our <laughs> algorithms. Um, I think TikTok is the wild west of trying to figure out social media. It has confused the hell out of me in the last like w- nine months I've been on it or a year that I've been on it. Um, I use it. I don't open it up. I go to uh, Instagram is yeah. my social media. I don't go to really anything else. And um, But TikTok, I've, en- I've enjoyed pieces of it. I think that what is dangerous about TikTok is that we are letting 15 second, 10 second increments of snippets of music define what is being pushed to the masses. It's crazy. It's like if this 10 second snippet is 
trending on TikTok, we're going to push it to radio now because it's going crazy on TikTok. It's like, no, those are that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good song just because the sound is being used. Like this is our metric now, right? Like this is our like new form of data in terms of what's going to go and what's not. And I think that um, t- 2023, and you said this about social media a minute ago, it is so different than it was 10 years ago in terms of how much work you have to do. Mm. This is so much work you guys this is insane that you have to do a separate reel for instagram and then a tiktok and then you know all the things youtube shorts and it's like all this content and you're just hoping that it catches the algorithm chances are it's not and the best content that you make usually is the shit that like no one saw it and the thing that takes like a second is the thing that gets 10 million plays and you're like i have no idea how to do this other than doing this thing where you you are on your phone all the time and that is your life and I'm not going to do that at my age with three kids. I'm just not going to live on my phone that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, for yeah, what? That's, yeah, exactly for what and that's the healthy thing to do. But it, it, at the end of the day, you're making something really, you're making a great point which is 10 seconds defines what records are being pushed to radio Yeah, and the sheer amount of work that goes into promoting a song or getting the algorithm to just hit right is so insane to the point where like is it the quality of the song right. that determines the success or is it the fact that you've just been poking the algorithm over and over and over and over and over again until it works we don't know and it's and it's different and, it, and we don't know and there's spends like I mean labels are putting crazy dollar spends it's insane into TikTok and campaigns and I mean we're not even going to talk about the fake streams and all that but like there's a lot of money behind the scenes getting poured into these platforms and um you know for someone like me I'm like who's funding it independently I'm like dude I'm not gonna like do a bunch of fake YouTube views for what like why you know to you got to pay to play to cheat to like appear to be bigger than you are it's like and everybody is doing this and I'm not exaggerating when I say that it's like the the secret that's not really a secret that people talk about like this is just how the game is being played the numbers that we are getting like told are real are not and uh, they're gassing all these numbers sucks it's kind of gross it, it is gross. It's just like, because we're so metric dependent in our society, right? Uh-huh. Like this is our standards of success. It's like, oh, you did this amount of number, your first week sales, this TikTok has this many, your engagement is this. We're constantly doing this math. And I'm like, I am such a better human when I <laughs> let go of all of that. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to make a TikTok. If it goes, it goes. And that's all you can do. And that's all you can do. And then you make another one. But are you thinking about TikTok when you're making Ben about, will this song go viral? Is there a viral something in this or you that? You know what? It wasn't until like the tail end of it. And um, because the music industry changed in the process of making Ben. Like it changed in the last five years exponentially since Gemini. And there was a, I remember the moment I'm sitting there writing and I'm like, you know what? And I'm thinking about the industry and the place that we are at. And I was like, you know what? There is a great chance that none of this music goes. Goes like, you know, I have a hit record or, you know, I have a song that does really well or whatever. I was like, there is a great chance that none of this works on that commercial level. And it has nothing to do 
with the quality of the music. Mm. And that was like a tough concession to make. It was like, damn, dude. Like, I it, it wasn't this like, oh, I'm not coming with it or like, uh, uh, I, I lost the step or I used to be able to rap better. It was like none of that. It was like all these songs are fucking great. I love what we're making. People might not even know this exists. And we're all playing that game of how do you get people's attention? And then when you get their attention, how do you hold on to their attention? And that's a hard game to start playing. It's a hard game to start. And then like, well, that kind of worked and this one didn't work. And then you're second guessing yourself and, Again, I'm a better human being when I don't even fucking think about it. Do you have to revalue or just kind of reassess who you make music for? Yes, completely. Because I had that TikTok moment and I remember we had this song called The Internet or Internet and it didn't make the album. It was kind of like if you were to pick a TikTok song, it'd be like, well, that's the TikTok song. It's it, like that was the intention. I like found myself in the studio making a fucking TikTok song. <laughs> I would love to hear it. And I was like, I'll play it for you. And I was like, this, and the song was okay. And there's some funny, you know, it's like me kind of like dumbing down my humor, like, you know, talking about the internet. My wife hated it. My management loved it. I ended up being like, you know what? This just doesn't speak to me as, you know, like maybe it comes out as a Lucy. But um, as I'm creating this song, I'm like, dude, I have never, never made a record where I was like, this one's going to be perfect on this social media platform. Like, <laughs> like and then the second that I like felt that, I was like, this is, let's get rid of this. This doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good. Not as like under the umbrella of what this album means to me. It might feel good in like, we just let it go on the internet one day. But in terms of like what an album means, which still has depth and meaning to me um maybe not the rest of the world or most of it but this doesn't fit but also an album named after you it has, yeah you know it's ben maniac great record thank you really fucking good thank sounds you. timeless yeah you're also telling a story mm -hmm. a story of love yeah toxic toxic love you both are crazy though yeah yeah we're still crazy is it between you and me, your wife me and all my exes we're all still crazy. <laughs> um, no, I feel like you can't even, you can't say crazy anymore. Um, but I do. We're, we're all crazy. And, and we're all crazy in a beautiful way. And like, you grow up in a relationship, right? Like, you know, long-term relationships. And you, sometimes you, you grow up, you grow apart. I think that um, I've had some crazy moments in the past. It was one of those records, Ryan Lewis played it for me. And um, I heard the hook and was just like, yo what's up with this I and he was like you know it's open you can have it and immediately I was like yes try not to act too excited just play it off like get out of the car and walk home and go start writing the song and um and it was a record that I had to kind of tap back into the past I, I'm in a, a pretty happy marriage at this point in my life we've, we've got it figured out we have our stresses but like I am very, I'm on a great page with my wife. Now, back 15 years ago when I first met her, 14 or whatever it was, um, no, we were like alcoholic, toxic, chaos, like explosion waiting to happen at any bar in Seattle at any given time. Um, so I went back to that place and I wrote Maniac along with some other relationships. 
and uh, and try to tap back into that but feeling what, of crazy. What kept you riding through all that? Like, because people could, you can get into a toxic blow up with somebody, especially when you're drunk, and yeah. you could flee. Sex. Got it. Yeah. Sex just brings you back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that's what starts it. That's what starts the comeback. Uh, no, I think there's just like, uh, I found my best friend. Yeah. And I found the person that makes me the happiest, that I, I love spending time with, that I'm that I'm constantly learning from, that I'm evolving with, that I have now created a partnership in terms of, of raising children, bringing children into this world and like the the strategy around that and the love around that and the experiences around that are so deep and fulfilling and meaningful that, um, you know, I, I can't imagine my life without her. And even before kids, um, she's my creative counterpart. She is, you know, the operations, she's, she's the CEO, she's the producer, she's the, you guys run the business together. She does everything. Yeah. She's, she's a creative, uh, she's a, creative counterpart to, to, to what I do. I know she directed the video for Faithful. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that she was, I didn't know that it was more, that there was more depth to it. Yeah, she's That's she's crazy. done just like kind of I do. She's worn all hats forever. And, um, and I love working with her. And um, that's such a cool feeling to be able to be creative with your significant other. And then there's of course times where like, she has a vision. I have a different vision, and uh, that results in some friction. But you know, that's you, part of it. How do you compromise? Let her get her way. Got it. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> you, you have to pick. Your, it's just like anything. You have to pick your battles. There's moments yeah, where I'm course. like, absolutely not. Like this is my, and I have to kind of remember, like, dude, this is your vision. At the end of the day, like, this is your baby, and everyone else's opinion in the room matters. Hers really matters. But at the end of it, you have to trust your gut. Yeah. Have you gone against what, or, or, or her feelings? Creative vision before? She wanted me to take the word bitch out of heroes for the music video. Mm-hmm. Which I was always kind of like on the fence about. I, like my highest self is like, yes, I should take that word out. <laughs> the like rapper in me is like, fuck no. Yeah. I'm, keep, I'm keeping bitch in the, in the, in the song. It's like, got that like 90s grunge. Yeah, rap. like it just felt it like the era. So like for the video, but she felt very, and she's like, and brought up the minute she was like, you have two young girls. And I was like, oh, I'm taking bitch out. I have to. And I still don't want to. I still don't want to, but I'm going to do it. Like that was one of those moments where I'm like, all right, what's like the rapper side of you want right now? And what's like the highest? And does it really matter at the end of the day of like what Instagram snippets going on your page? No. no. But can you separate the rapper and the dad? I can. I think it's harder for my wife. Yeah. I think it's harder for her. Because I'm I'm looking and even when I was I was explaining this song to my mom before she heard it and saw the video, because like a lot of what I'm rapping about in Heroes is like this is the debauchery that I did that created a lot of pain for my mom when I was in, you know, high school. It's like my mom was still well up talking about me when I was like 14, 15 years old and the shit that I was doing. I can only imagine as a parent losing your kid to like drugs, alcohol, fucking violence, like getting arrested, like all of that life that we were living. And all of a sudden your kid last year was like getting, you know, 
B's and A's and now they're about to flunk out of school and getting arrested. That's a crazy pivot. And my mom had to put up with that. So I gave her a call and was like, yo, just so you know, I got this record. It's definitely like reliving the past. She ended up liking the record. Um, but, you know, there's something about Trisha's ability to like, she gets it, but at a certain point, she's also like, I see you as this. You are a dad. You are a father. You are a, a role model and example. Don't, you don't need to tap into that 15 year old version of yourself. And I'm like, yeah, but that 15 year old version of myself is what got us here. This house that we're in right now. It's true. Along with everything that she sacrificed and all the fucking grinding that she's done. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to take bitch out. Compromise. I'm going to compromise. That's, I mean, that's really special. I'm going to keep it on the record though. <laughs> I just took it out for the video. <laughs> just the visual. I mean, Heroes and a Grime, two songs back to back that are mm. awesome. How fun are those to write? Because they're like straight rap verses, very minor courses, if anything, no bridges. They're my favorite. Yeah. I they're mean, my favorite. They're so fun to listen to. And they're, and they're the most effortless. It's like, that's my, that's my wheelhouse. That's the world that I, um, it's just fun. That's like, those are the where, the, where the hours of my career have gone to. Then there's the other side of it, like where it's like, okay, now we need to like, now we're making a pop song. Now we're making like something that's supposed to like, you know, potentially be on the radio or whatever. And that is such a different part of my brain than what those rap records are. Those rap records are pure, raw energy. They happen quickly. The, those verses get written quickly. They get recorded fast. The, the other records sometimes are like, these are the puzzles that take weeks, months, upon months at times. But like your biggest records throughout your history, are those the songs that take the longest? Thrift mm. Shop and Can't Hold Us, both of them, yes. They took a long time. Mm -hmm. How about Same Love? Same Love took a, same love took a while. Good same old love, days? Good old days. Um, not not crazy but took some time because again you're trying to like you're trying to make the best version of what what it is you're going after so like yeah if i'm trying to make like a 90s rap record with primo i'm like that doesn't have as many elements like the the dna of a 90s rap record is like you know drums oftentimes a break beat bass line and a sample that's the dna there is no fucking pre-chorus there is no bridge there is you know usually it's just that um, and it's much more loopy. Our music like has ebbs and flows of emotion and live totally. instrumentation, and it takes you on a journey from the beginning of the verse to the end of the verse. And dude, downtown, yeah, Fuck. that shit's fucking crazy. I mean, yeah. that that was the longest song of all time. Really, making that song, yes, number one. Well, I mean, it, it is a long journey, and it's a long song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no wonder why that shit didn't work on radio. Radio was so excited about downtown, and then like a month later, after like the data came back, they're like, "Yeah, it looks like eighty uh, percent of people don't make it through the end of this one." I did, was like, "Okay." Did you give them an edit for it, or did you not compromise on that? I don't. I think that we were just in our like. No. Yeah, we don't fucking do we, that. We don't do that. Play it. It's hard. This is Bohemian Rap City of 2015. <laughs> Which, by the way, this is coming on the heels of like you, you also making. I mean, a couple years earlier, you do Same Love, which 
we talked about the last time you were here. I mean, that song changes the world forever. Yeah. Also ushers in a whole new perspective, forces radio stations to play a song that they would never... I mean, I remember getting calls from PDs being like, you know, we don't play that here. This is the type of radio yeah. station that this is. Right. You know, we don't play this song in this city. Mm. I, rem- I, can, I got so many phone calls. Yeah. It was crazy. But also you knew that that's the moment where change is actually erupting and occurring. And yes. Like, if you're creating that type of conversation and I'm getting those phone calls, I can only imagine the phone calls you're getting, your team, I mean, it must be fucking insane. But in the best way. In the best way. It was such a beautiful moment. And I think that there was that, um, when I come back to any injustice or um, social movement, particularly as a white, straight, wealthy male I'm like what what are you willing to risk right now like how okay so you want to talk about white privilege you want to talk about uh, marriage equality well what are you willing to give up right now for it to actually be equal because it's one thing to be like everyone should be equal when it's like okay well equality actually looks like this and I think that um, what are you willing to risk was a question of like you know, because again, at the time, now we're talking about this 10 years later, right? 10 years later, this is our perspective on same love or your perspective on same love. But at the time it was like, dude, it, I don't, you know, there, I had people coming to me like, yo, we're getting some death threats, you know, just so you know, uh, this, you know, it was, it was a moment of like, we don't know how the public is going to react. I still remember being on stage in Arkansas in an amphitheater, like, sold out for some reason everyone in Arkansas came to the show I thought it was going to be like the worst show of the tour it was the best show of the tour and I'm doing same love and I'm scared I'm literally like performing it like what if I get sniped like is there someone out there you know having these like these these thoughts and um it was probably the best same love I have ever done because it was done in an area where that hate I imagine is still rampant where that division is still rampant where the acceptance hasn't happened yet where people still have to live as a secret and because of that there was this opposition to the hate this overwhelming flow of love amongst these 20,000 people and maybe not all of them in fact I'm sure it wasn't all of them but the people that were on the side of, of love were louder than ever and it still gives me goosebumps. I, I still remember that moment and being like, this was all worth it. And, you know, even if something happened, I remember playing that shit in, um, I think we were in Lebanon and they were like, you can't yeah. play that. I played same love. I went to Russia. They were like, you can't play that. I played same love. And all of these moments, it's not just like you can't play that. It's like, yo, do not, do not. No, you get. I mean, play they, that. They can usher you off the yeah, stage. You d- we don't know what's going to happen. Do not do it. And you know, you look at Brittany Griner like ten years later. Obviously, that's drugs. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I would fuck around today. But we, we, our world is in an interesting place. But I've always chosen just keep it going. And the results have been overwhelmingly positive throughout the entire world. Well, because that song comes at a time where like it, it comes relatively close to thrift shop. Yeah. Right? Like it is, and Thrift Shop is a song that obviously sets you on a path that changes everything. But in that moment, you do have the most to fucking lose. Yeah. 
Right, because you just have like made inroads with radio. I, I maybe did can't hold us come after no, no. I mean, like really came so close after thrift shop. Yeah, holy shit. I think it was thrift shop. Then then same. Level. That's insane. Yeah, but thrift shop hadn't blown up to the point. Yeah, it hadn't really like it wasn't all of a sudden like oh a billion views and now I'm putting out same love. It was like you know it was moving. Thrift shop was starting to go. That, it, it, like you. Re- <sighs> You really had a lot to risk, but the reward was incredibly great. I want to continue to take risks. I've taken risks that have, um, you know, that have panned out, that have not panned out. But I, um, I love doing some shit where I'm like, "Yo, I'm really fucking nervous to press upload right now, and this could go really south fast." And like that feeling of like I'm making some art that's gonna shake some shit up, and it's not, it's it's not perfect. It's it's none of none of it is it never will be but I am going to make some shit for the sake not for the sake of to shake some shit up but just because that's how I fucking feel uh, and I need to tell my truth and I know that this is going to ruffle some feathers. You bring up the opioid epidemic on this album which is something that I mean has plagued this nation for quite some time. Yeah. It obviously hits home, uh, close to home but is that in the same category as I would say a social injustice that needs to be at yeah. least discussed and brought up. And by the way, I would categorize the yeah. opioid epidemic as a social injustice, mainly based on who it affects. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean. Yeah, I would too. And there, yeah, I completely would. Is there nerves there? Or is it just so true? There's no nerves there. And not at this point. I think when I first got clean in 2008, and I got out of treatment, there was this very conscious decision in my head of like, am I going to tell the truth right now about who I am and what disease I have, or am I going to hide it? And I made the choice to be honest. And it was um, the best call that I've fucking, you know, could have made. I, I immediately like was able to tell my truth. Look, I'm an addict. This is 2008. We're not talking about we're not talking about mental health in 2008. We're not talking about the opioid epidemic. We're not talking about, you know, any of that. This is kind of before this whole like, okay, let's take care of ourselves now and get therapists. Um, and we definitely were not being honest about drug addiction in the same way in, in, in rehabilitation like we are in, you know, 2023. So I, I made this choice at that time. Like, look, I'm going to, I have to be honest if, if it alienates me, like whatever, like this is who I am. And I got these, you know, small groups of fans coming to these small shows um, who were just like, dude, other side, other side. Yeah. That song saved my life. That song got me through this. That song did that. And I was reminded of the power of art. And I watched that spread organically in the recovery community where someone was talking about being an addict and all the addicts were like, yes, no one has ever fucking spoken up for us. No one has ever said this on record. Like I'm, this is, I'm trying to think of if we've ever even had a record, a a rap record about substance abuse before that. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't know. But but, but if never we have in a way that is as transparent, if we have, as, it, it hasn't been many. Yeah, you know. We. I mean, Pac touched on like you know some things around drug abuse for sure in terms of you know, dear mama and whatnot. But but to really be like, I am an addict. I am going to talk huh? about this on a record. I don't know if there was a blueprint for that. And 
Um, it was fucking scary at the time. And it paid off because people came to the shows and were like, yo, and it got me closer to the recovery community. It got me closer to my own sobriety. And um, the music did what it's supposed to do, which is it's supposed to be medicine. It's supposed to be something that heals us, that makes us feel a part of, that makes us feel connected, that reminds us why we are here. That is what the art is for. This album, long time in the making, 15 songs, a song like Faithful, does that change in meaning from when you made it to, I mean, maybe now? Yes, it does. Because like my relationship with Faithful now is, it's different. We've shot a music video. I have a, you know, a relationship with NLE Choppa that was different than when I first, you know, like huh. things things evolve but I think that that record for me was written after I relapsed at the beginning of COVID and um was kind of coming back and just in a dark spot and um just kind of like I can't believe that I'm back here again like when is this ever gonna this cycle and and it was it was dark and I don't I don't I don't need to go too in depth, but it was, um, yeah, I just kind of had that feeling of like, dude, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. And I hadn't really felt that yet. That was kind of my like, oh, okay. Like my wife kicked me out of the house. I'm like driving around in my car. It's raining in Seattle. Like, um, the guilt, the shame, the remorse, like all of those things just flooding me and just kind of having that like, dude, um, I'm pretty tired. I'm pretty tired of this. And that's a scary place to be in your head where you, um, you're not really feeling this thing called life. And, um, you know, luckily I have people in my life that I, you know, called on. Oh yeah, where do you go? I I called my sponsor immediately, told him what happened, went over to his house, um, sat on his porch in Tuckwilla. And um and you go back to a meeting. That's what I did. It's like, dude, you you know what to do now. You've done this enough times that, that now you know how to get back on it. Uh. Go to a meeting. Tell your truth. Don't be a secret. Tell the people you need to tell. You're not trying to impress anybody with like, you know, your linear length of sobriety. You're trying to save your fucking life. Do it. And um, and I got back in the rooms and I wrote Faithful. And that's what that record will always mean to me is kind of solidifying that period of like, that was my um, process through that pain. Who are you writing that song to? I think that I'm writing that song to an emotion. I don't think that I'm writing that song to myself or to somebody else. I think that it's a it's always a reminder to myself, right? It's always like, a, okay, I got some clarity. Like, let's get this down right now. So it's a reminder to myself. Of course, there's the hope that like it touches other people, but you don't control that. Um, I think that it's like I, I'm writing to capture that emotion. That's 
that's who I'm writing it for is for, is for that emotion to put that emotion to give that emotion a song yeah. it's like if you can give an emotion a song like a theme song like this is what happy sounds like or this is what like you know a relapse sounds like like that's what I'm trying to do in the, in the most authentic way though like not in the way of like you know of going into it but like with the intention of like this is going to be the de- the depressing record yeah. this is the emo song it's like no I am in that place yeah. I literally feel like I could rip my fucking heart out put that shit into the art how soon after you getting kicked out do you need to write this record I don't remember exactly when I think it was probably the next time that we went to, to Orcus but yeah it was um it was a it was a tough time and um and also a beautiful time in the same way and i think that like i have a tendency of looking back on relapse and being like that was bad that was that was really bad i I lost trust and i lied to people and i fucked up and i shouldn't have done that and like Yes, those things are all true. I shouldn't have done that. But there are takeaways. And I'm not an advocate of relapse by any means for people that are in recovery. Trust me, I am not at all. We do not need to put more pain on top of pain and we're risking our lives every time that we do it. So I am not by any means saying that. But I do think that coming out of that, it was a bit of a reset moment for me of just what do you want to get out of life? Do you want to live in the shadows? Do you want to be a secret? Do you want to be um, lying to the person that you love the most to every single day so you can continue to use drugs secretively? Like, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, now you've answered your own question. What is it going to take? to get back in that place where you're in the middle, where you are putting your recovery over everything else, knowing that if you don't, you will lose it. And it took that relapse and it took um, some real pain. And um, and you get back on it. Yeah. And it's not, the like, I didn't walk in, back into the rooms of recovery like, oh my God, guys, I'm such a piece of shit, even though I'm telling myself that. But it's like, dude, give yourself a break. You're just trying to fucking save your life. Like, this is not a show. This is not a, you know, you don't get a fucking gold coin that when you get to heaven that you, you had 30 years of recovery. Like, that's not how this works. Just fucking save your life and tell the truth. Things so easy to say, but really hard to do. Really hard to do really hard to do and when you're in active addiction the disease of addiction is like yeah right we're not telling the truth we're gonna keep getting high true and that's the voice that you're going off of when you're in active addiction so to find the willingness to change when you're in that place is really difficult it's scary it is it is it is but it's something that plagues so many people yeah in so many different ways yeah it, I mean, do you have people in your life that you... Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, we all do, right? We, yeah. Are you free? We all do. Yeah. I, yes. One of my parents was sober for like 35 years now. Wow. Being a, a, an alcoholic for like 30 years. Wow. Something, yeah, something like that, 28, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Your your parents? Me and my dad. Your dad. Swapped has, it with Jim and Diet Coke. Yeah. That's... He's found new addiction. Oh, Jim. Sure. Jim Bean. 
No, no, no. The, the gym. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Not, Not Jim Bean and no. Diet Coke. <laughs> no, he works out like twice a day. Yeah. He drinks Diet Coke, yeah. you know, like crazy. But it's, but yeah, I mean, of course. I know so many people. I know so many people, so many friends yeah. who are addicted to different things. Yeah. And by the way, like addicted to snorting Xanax. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, gosh, like, oh my, I can tell, the, crazy. I've, I've applied nar- Narcan to people. Have you? Yeah, of course. Wow. This is, I've lost friends yeah. to addiction. I lost a friend a few months ago who was left alone to overdose on a park bench in front of a Pollo Loco. Like, it is such an issue yeah. that plagues, fuck, not just this nation, but the world. The world, yeah. But this world, but particularly but this here. country, we see it. Yeah. We see it every day. Well, the pharmaceutical industry is so different here. Oh yeah, and corrupt compared to the rest of the world. Like you know, I've I've staged Dovin and broken ribs and shit, and gone into the hospital and gotten an X ray in Germany, and they're like ibuprofen. And, that's and I'm it. like, no, 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 I I broke my rib. I can't really <laughs> breathe right now. They're like, yep, anti-inflammatory. Peace. Six hundred milligrams. And dude, here and I was fucking fine. And here they would have been like, "Here's sixty oxycodone, mm-hmm. and let me know how you're doing in two months when you come back and want more." It's, like that's just if if anybody takes even I don't care who you are or whether you like them or not. If you take by nature oxycodone or any sort of like you know in the oxy world, if you take that drug. For more than like three or four days, every four to six hours, you are going to have withdrawal effects. You will be sweating through your sheets. You will feel like shit. You will want more. That's and that's and that's every and that's as prescribed. Yeah, it's designed to be that way. That's how it is. Yeah. It doesn't. And when has a doctor ever told you that? Giving you painkillers, they never say it. They're just like. Here you go. Oh, dude. You know, is, and oh. we know it's addictive, but like they don't tell you like no, literally you're going to have physical withdrawal symptoms. You might be scratchy, itchy, like whatever. <sighs> they don't tell you the full spectrum. We overprescribe in this nation, we overcharge in this nation. I mean, think about it. We're paying a fortune going into debt in some cases to form addictions that can last a lifetime. Completely. And that can ruin families, yeah. ruin communities. Yes. I mean, like tear shit apart. Yeah. All for a few at the top to see financial reward. Yeah. It is so gross and disgusting. Yeah. We are the only nation, in my opinion, that have no problem throwing our people to the capitalistic uh, machine and just see where it goes, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that be the pharmaceutical industry or, I don't know, you know how many pollutants end up in our fucking, in our dirt, in our ground, in our water? How about Flint, Michigan and all the communities across the nation that don't even have fucking clean water due to like all the companies just trying to save a buck and dumping shit? Yeah, completely. bullshit. Yep. It's really gross. Business first, capitalism. That, yeah, people, overall profit over people. Yeah, no matter the situation. Um, yes. Quickly, we talk about all these dark times in your life, or this dark time in your life. Mm-hmm. How do we get to No Bad Days? Mm. No Bad Days was the first song that we recorded on the album. Okay, I was happy as hell. Yeah, <laughs> got it. No, I was happy that you know, I was happy the whole. I was happy a lot of this, a lot of this album. I think that like, there's always going to be the duality in my music. There's always going to be you know, a really probably too wide spectrum of sound. And um, I some days I want to rap 
like I'm in the 90s some days I want to be a British pop star 1984 sounds like a show tune I feel like I'm on yeah. listening to a Broadway musical <laughs> yeah yeah I was like yeah. it's awesome yeah and I, and I want to have those coexist on the same album and it might not make sense to people I think that we live in a world where we want to put people in boxes mm-hmm. and be like you do that you do that little baby sounds like this Drake sounds like this he sounds like that and that's like no I, I, I want to do this and I want to do that and I'm going to pivot some more. Yeah, but your tone allows you to do everything and anything, and everybody knows it's you. Mm. you, you the second you speak, you know that it's Macklemore. Mm. Like, there's no doubt. Like, yeah. it is really an iconic tone. Nice. It's pretty crazy. Appreciate that. Um, this album is 15 songs. Do we listen top to bottom? Are there rules on this, or do you just want us to consume as we consume? I think listen to it in its entirety. I think that there was no way to make this album and like I was listening like to Smino's album the other day. Have you guys heard Smino? Mm-mm. I'm writing it down. S-M-I-N-O. Smino. Amazing, amazing artist. Um, he's one of the only people where I listen to him and I'm like, I have no idea how you do that. Like I, I don't even know how that happens. Really? In terms of where his mind goes melodically and shit. It's insane. Cadence is crazy. Um, but I was listening to it, and I have no idea why I was talking about Smino. What were you talking about? Should we listen to this album top to bottom? Yes. And I and Smino's album, I put it on the night before last, and I got to the last song. I was like, oh, like that was a whole thing. It was a whole, it's, you know, track one went into track number two, and it all sonically sounded cohesive. I'm probably never going to make that album. I just, I, by the nature of who, I'm, who I am as an individual, I'm probably not. I might do just like a straight rap EP or some shit, but like in terms of an album, there's going to be jumps. And um, I still think it's, yeah, I listen to it front to back, absolutely. I mean, you guys have heard the album. You think it's too crazy to listen to front to back? No. Does it make sense? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, think it's kind of like sectioned off in different. But in that voice. I think so. I guess I was questioning it. It was like your eyes I'm squinted not, just slightly. I guess I wasn't was like, confident in my answer. Yeah. Well, I think that that's probably the answer is yeah. I think so. And that there's like sections of it and you take, you know, you're like grime and, um, and heroes are back to back or whatever. You know, it's like pockets of like, okay, this is a little moment and now we're going down and now we're lifting it back up. And you want that roller coaster of an emotion throughout an album. Taillights. I mean, great record, but what is that story? Where does that come from? Taillights is a saying that we have in, you know, I've heard in the rooms of recovery of like kind of talking about your, um, your OGs or, or your predecessors or, or people that came before you. Is predecessor that came before you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. <Carl>. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and like I follow their taillights, like I'm behind them, I'm watching their moves, I'm watching how they maneuver, and um, and also talking about a spiritual component to, I mean, the song is about the song is about God, and I don't I don't talk about God in the dogmatic sense or use the word in terms of a, a religious belief. I I use God as a universal term, but it's around the Almighty, and. Uh, really following who are we following through this life like we can follow a lot of different people you know who are who are we choosing to follow to follow who are we choosing and and 
there's a lot of time in the day to make different decisions on who we're following. And that's what Taillights is about. You gotta listen to Ben. We're gonna put a link in the description below. Also, all of Macklemore's music, available on Amazon Music, link down there as well. And you really are one of my favorite guests of all time. I, I don't, you're one of my favorite artists and what you've done for music and your level of honesty and transparency is incredible. And your ability to capture very vital needed conversation and package it in a song that is so easy to ingest uh, by everybody and anybody is really, I've seen it firsthand what it does to communities and to people. And I thank you very much. And the first time you came on our show is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Um, and I tell everybody that. Where were we? We were in Culver City. Yeah. You were on that same exact couch. Yeah. Talking to that exact same microphone. Yeah. And it, you're really one of my favorite guests. And we're going to put a link to the description. We were here before? No, Culver City, you came to visit us. Very far. But on the same couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just yeah. moved everything here. Yeah, yeah, Okay. We're going to move everything to the new place. Because I have no idea what neighborhood we're in right now. No, we're in. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Culver City? <laughs> Is that where we're at? I'm going to put a link to Ben in the description. Plus, you can listen to all of his music on Amazon Music. And if you want to check out our first interview uh, with Macklemore, there's going to be a link to that, too. Uh, thank you for thank being you. here, and thank you for always giving us time and energy, and thank you for sharing Honest Art. So. Thank you, guys. Uh, you guys are the best, man. Appreciate, appreciate you. you. Thank ben. you. Oh, beautiful human. He made it through our conversation with Ben Haggerty, a.k.a. Macklemore. Thank you so much. Now subscribe to our podcast. Share it with those you care about. Say thanks to Ben for being here. Say thanks to GoPuff for delivering the conversation to you. And I say thanks to you for putting up with us today. Now be safe. Hug your family again. Remind them that you love them. Don't go to jail. And go have a good day. I'll talk to you real soon, okay? Peace and love. By the way, today's episode is made possible by a few incredible humans, including our executive producers, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Dylan Martyr, Dan Zola, Joshua Rusak, and Olivia Rudensky. Our senior director, Toby Lawless. Our associate producers, Eve Bishop and Claudia Villarreal. Our music is by James Asciutto. Our editor is Camera Carlos Gomez. Our sound mixer is Daniel Chavez-Crook. Our post-production manager is Caroline Rude. And I'm your host and executive producer, Zach Sang. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'll talk to you real soon.